0: What is going on, guys? We are in the zone. We are here today with Giancarlo Alino, Anthony Pignello, and myself, Chris Martelli. And uh, to start it off, it's been a, an interesting week for basketball. Um, Adam Silver actually just put out a statement saying that there will actually be an 88-game regular season um, when the league resumes. There's going to be... There 22 teams as well that are going to participate coming back. So that means the lowest eight seeds are unfortunately not coming back to even play. They're going to be sitting on the sideline. So that's, that's unfortunate for them. That's teams like State, Minnesota, Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit. You know, those teams that are at the bottom of the basement. But... Um, like I said, instead of it being 16 teams like they announced before, they're going to actually play out the regular season. They're going to play out a couple more games just to get the, the, the TV deals done and, you know, not lose a shit ton as they already have. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on um, these next six teams coming into this tight race?
1: I mean, uh, for the teams at the bottom, it makes sense. Like, I think Golden State had, what, 15 wins this year? Their season's pretty much already over. But, like, uh, it makes sense that they have to reach their limit for the TV deal. I'm still surprised that they pulled it off, that they're going to be playing the regular season games. But at this point, I am just excited for
2: anything to come back. So I am all for this. Yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, I want to just see it come back, if they can push up the start date a little bit. Uh, there's nothing really on, but they can do it safely, uh, it would be nice nice early July that can kick that off. But I understand that it's going to be the end. So uh, hopefully the product by then, everybody gets their stuff, their workouts in, practices in, and it leads to a better product.
0: Yeah, uh, in terms of the 22 teams, we all know who to expect, at least in this play-in tournament. You have guys that easily should be postseason you know, the the, uh, Portland Trailblazers and, you know, they have Mello, they have Damian Lillard, who I think is one of the best point guards in the league. You have the Pelicans who have been one of the, uh, you have Sacramento again, kind of similar with Fox Bagley by Bogdanovich. You have a lot of young guys there by not so much, but everyone else is, very much exciting, and of course, another team that's actually going to be a part of this. And I never thought I'd be saying this: is the Spurs. Um, you know, you have DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, they're not an exciting team to watch, but they've been in the postseason. I don't know how many times. So, like, this is a very exciting. This is a very exciting scenario for teams that you know are not involved in the postseason, but this is a chance for them to actually be involved and to actually. Get that spot, and I really do feel for teams like Orlando. You know, they have thirty wins. They they've actually they have actually they've actually surprised. They've actually surprised. the uh, me this year. But with this whole, you know, you're adding another six teams. Can you see any teams kind of dethrone?
2: Take it, buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can see Portland doing something. I can't see... Uh, like, I don't know, in the East, there's a Charlotte that would probably come in. Uh, like, I don't see Charlotte doing anything. Uh, maybe a lot of them will be motivated that they saw the last dance and they want to make their owner, Michael Jordan, proud. But I don't see Charlotte doing anything. The only team that can probably be realistic is Portland, just because they have Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, so... I like how their team is stacked up and uh, the way they match up with some of the other teams in the West, I think they'll probably be uh, not the easiest of first rounds for a lot of these teams. Yeah, I think when you
1: look at Portland, the thing that puts them over, so they have CJ McCollum. When you look at all those other teams in the play-in rounds, they don't really have a backcourt like those two guys and the experience that they have. So I think Portland would be a pretty safe bet there to do some damage. I
0: know I know, the has said uh, he said the Pelicans could beat the Lakers. Would you like to see a Zion versus LeBron first round matchup? I know the TV, I know the TV ratings absolutely go through the roof, but do you really think the Pelicans can even have a remote chance here? Or is LeVar Ball just being LeVar Ball?
1: <laughs> That's vintage LeVar right there stirring it up but uh the fuck that would be amazing though like all the young guys the pelicans have to get all that experience in against uh the second best team in the league at the time and lebron james and davis that would be such a fun series i'd probably take the lakers in uh five or four whatever they give give the pelicans one game but oh man that would be awesome to watch
2: I wouldn't count out the Pelicans in that. As crazy as it sounds, you look at their team, they're all uh, the chemistry they all have playing on the Lakers together all those years, coming up together. Uh, I think I had them at an eight seed, but uh, with Zion out, they couldn't really do that. Now you put Zion in the mix there. They have JJ Reddick, so he, I guess, counters off Danny Green a little bit in terms of three point shooting when he gets hot. Uh, Zion can. Just take over and bully guys Lonzo can come in be a great playmaker so uh, they have a really solid team and then you had Brendan Ingram Josh Hart like this isn't a team that's going to be a joke if they actually get into that point so I would not count them out uh, of making it a series not to say they won't lose it but it would not be like a sweep in four games I don't think
0: yeah, I agree. I think uh, when you think of Pelicans, I think this is an up-and-coming team. They're very scary. I was telling Nick before. I think give them four years when LeBron's out of the league, is going to be the team to uh, watch. Ingram is looking like a star. Uh, he, he, to me, is. Zion he's a freak. Lonzo's only getting better. He's getting more confident. Um, you know, Drew Holiday is he's no slouch either. You know, this is a great team. I think uh, I agree with you guys. I still think the Lakers would win, at least this year. You know, you have AD, who, who's arguably, arguably been as good as Le Pen. He's a monster. He would have to guard Zion. And Zion, I don't really know how he would handle Davis, because Davis is a potential defensive player of the year. So I, I, I got the Lakers here. But I do with, uh, with Alino. I don't think this would be a, a sweep by any means. I think the Pelicans are, are for real, and what we saw Zion do, you know, right before the, the league got suspended, that was terrifying stuff right there. They were, I think, they were in 13th place, and then they just jumped to like ninth. So,
2: oh
0: yeah. Um, another matchup that I want to bring up, and another team that's similar to the Pelicans. Do you guys see Sacramento uh, really doing any damage?
1: Who's the, um, you know who they'd be matched up against?
0: Well, no, cause they would be in the, they would just be in the play in tournament, like to, to join, to like try
1: and get that last spot. Uh, um, a lot of the pressure is going to have to go on De'Aaron Fox here. It's going to have to show what he can do. It's never really been in this situation yet, but, um, all these young guys are kind of growing together. I don't, they're a really fun team to watch for me, but when it comes to this, I don't really see them going that far.
2: Yeah, I don't Buddy Heald would probably have to really come into his own. He hasn't really lived up to that uh, billing of being like I think he should be everything Trey Young is in Atlanta. like he came into the league. A lot of people are saying at the draft like this could be a great fit uh, for like anything. And when new Orleans traded them for DeMarcus cousins, everybody thought, okay, now it's going to be buddy heels team, uh, deer and Fox and came in and he was that guy that really was the ghost ball handler for them. So I think it's going to come down to a lot of them coming into their own. I don't see them at that level yet, but uh, hopefully they can turn it around because they're a team that hasn't really found their, I guess, success and uh, style of play since the early 2000s. So it's really been a shame for them.
0: Well, yeah, because again, we discussed teams like Memphis who are kind of in, I think they're in the exact same boat. They have the exact same identity. Uh, you know, they haven't really been there for a while. Memphis, and they, it's great to see them in a postseason, you know, with John Brown, what he's done, but... I don't know. Like if, if, if Memphis and Sacramento went at it in a, in a series, I really don't know who I would take. I think it would really come down to the wire. Um, a lot of you might disagree with that. You know, Darren Jackson and Ja are absolutely tremendous, but again, we haven't really seen a lot of Bagley. I mean, if this guy can kind of, you know, cut out the injuries, you know, work harder. I think that could easily be the second overall pick in 2018. I'm not saying he's, better than, he's going to be better than Doncic. He's, ne- no one's better. he's never going to be better than him. But I think he could, he could be around the same player as Jaron Jackson. I think he, he, can, he, can, he has that ability, he has that potential. Um, what, my, what my point is, is I think Sacramento is literally the exact same team as Memphis, just literally four spots lower so this play it would, it would tell the fans who is the the more experienced who's the more confident team and uh, i think with two teams you flip a coin you guys agree with me on that
1: yeah yeah i'm pretty much right with you there i mean when you look at the standings in general it's just like there's two teams i think it's cleveland and uh one other team that's out of it, and then Golden State. And it's everyone else is kind of like one or two spots away from each other. And then you look at the way the teams are built, and every, there's a lot of similarities. So, yeah, the Kings and the Grizzlies, I see what you're talking about
2: there. Should imagine that uh, Golden State wasn't so bad. And then uh, they'd be able to come back in this playoff format with uh, Steph Curry. Klay Thompson fully healthy. Uh, oh, yeah. It would be just a nightmare for all those teams in the play in like you would just have to clinch it for them right away. But uh, I do see it being a problem. Like I agree with you, Chris, that's why the play-in I think for basketball is going to have some different results than for hockey because in the NHL, uh, they have a lot of teams there that are on the bubble to make it. And because of divisions were like their playoff formats through the division based with the uh, two and three playing each other kind of throws everything off. But yeah, with the NBA, I think it's just like a two team race and their teams are just battling it out, to, uh, for the draft lottery.
0: <laughs> well, even, like, I want to talk about players that are injured as well. Like I'm looking at Washington. They're the ninth seed in the West, 24 and 40. Bradley Beal, we all know how great of a season he had. John Wall, he said he's not playing regardless this season, even though people have said he's 100% healthy. I know they're going to be a part of the play-in tournament. If anything, they will probably be the 22nd team because, as we all know, the conferences right now uh, for this season, for the rest of the season, it doesn't matter. There's no conferences. So I'm looking at records, and it's looking like basically (laughs) – like nine to 13 is all in the West in terms of wins. Like you go from Portland to Phoenix, they have more wins than the ninth seed in the, in the East in Washington, they have 24. So if Washington was the final 22nd team in this play in tournament, wouldn't you think that they would want John wall to play just to see if they can actually make that playoff push
1: and maybe kick Orlando out. I think where are John walls at in his career. It's probably best that he just, take a seat for the rest of the season I mean he already he sat out the entire year and he's been working out but to jump right back into it for him uh, I I think I would think long term for him and maybe look into next year what him and Beal can do in a full-length season so it makes sense that they probably could push Orlando out I think they'd have the ability to do that but for John Wall I think he should just take a pass
2: yeah John Wall is uh I don't know. He's like the injuries are starting to pile up. Where if you're Washington, you have to look at that contract and consider, like, are you better off buying him out instead of? Because I don't think anyone's trading for that. So, for the best thing for their organization, might be just to cut their losses. And if he finds it somewhere else, he does. But I think it's about time for them to just take that risk and just start the rebuild. Trade Bradley Beal and uh, see what you have in the guys are on your roster right now during the hand thing and. Next year, you come back, maybe sign some free agent veterans that can really help your team and your ninth uh, ninth spot. So uh, a right free agent could come in, a good veteran, a good draft pick, and you can still be in that mix next year and continue to build. So I think this could be the last, it should be the last year with them too, but I think they're just going to keep on uh, going with John Wall and it might not have the best results for their overall like long-term buildup.
0: So my final question, then, with this whole play-in tournament, you guys agree that Portland will probably be the team to maybe cause the most damage, but how about a team like Phoenix? I know it's crazy to maybe say, but they have DeAndre Aiden, they have Devin Booker, Ricky Rubio's no slouch of a point guard, Kelly Oubre will probably come back from injury. Do you guys see Phoenix maybe doing anything in this tournament?
1: You know what, man? unless Devin Booker puts up 70 every game like he did against Boston, I do not see Phoenix even sniffing this. Like they got a lot of young, talented players, but they finish with 20 something wins every year. They don't have the experience. I'm sure they're all going to be solid players down the line, but unless they can catch fire right from the start, I don't really see anything happening with the Suns.
2: Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I think DeAndre Aiden, like... Coming into this year, I really thought that Phoenix would be having a turn for the better, but it's just the same spot with them. Same old Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker just putting up all the points, but I just don't see that group like a New Orleans Pelicans where I see a complete team effort where it's going to cause a lot of matchup problems. I think people are just looking at Phoenix and it's if you can guard the three from Booker, that's great. And that will just shut them down because Aiden's going to get the rebound. He'll get like a few points here and there. Uh, Rubio depends on what he's able to create. So I think they're probably an easier matchup compared to Linz and Portland.
0: Okay. Well, I want to quickly discuss something that's very, very exciting. I know that we're going to talk a lot more about, you know, uh, NBA down the line, but I just want to quickly discuss out of all the teams in the East, who do you guys have going all the way? Because there have been a lot of different guys, a lot of different takes. A lot of people have said Miami can beat Toronto. Milwaukee can lose to Miami. Boston can go all the way. Is it still Toronto or is there someone, is there maybe Philly? Who, 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 is, the, who is that juggernaut in the Eastern Conference?
2: Started by the Raptors. <laughs> Easily. I'm going to go with the Raptors here just because of what they did last year. They're third in the NBA with their record. They went on a streak there 15, 16 games, and they had most of the roster injured. So you bring them back completely. It's like a whole new season again. I wouldn't count them out against Milwaukee, against uh, Philadelphia, against Boston. So I'm going to go with the Raptors to go uh, to the finals once again.
1: I'll just go with the Bucks. I'll sell out. The Giannis was having that MVP type year. Chris Middleton was shooting lights out. They've been to the conference finals. They, they, know, they know what it takes to get almost all the way. So, you know, um, I really want to say Boston. I love their young players. I don't think they're deep enough, though. So I'm going to take the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've said this time and time again, I really do have faith in this core. I think this could be the best core in the league. Jalen Brown is a monster. Jason Tatum, arguably already a top 10 player in the league. He's 21 years of age. Kemba Walker is the glue to this team where Kyrie Irving was not. This is a team for me. That's very scary. When you think of a seven game series, I don't know a lot of teams that could beat Boston. Um, Like that's the main thing with playoffs. Like it doesn't matter how great of a team you are. I think at the end of the day, you got to look at, can they be beaten four times in a series? I'm looking at Boston's team. I don't think there's one team in the East that could beat them four times in seven games. That's just my opinion. I'm sticking to it. I'm going to go with Boston coming out of the East and that's just because I think Jason Tatum is going to tap into another, he's just going to going to elevate his game even more. We saw it two years ago in the playoffs, what he did going up against a freakish, freakish playoff run by LeBron James. That was just a monstrous playoff performance from him. If it wasn't for LeBron, the Celtics are going to the finals already in Tatum's rookie year. So I think Boston is the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I think they could beat Milwaukee. They have before I'm going with Boston.
1: Do we see any hope from the 76ers?
2: No, no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> what would they have to do though? Cause everyone pegs them to go far all the way. And then something always seems to go wrong. So what would they have
2: to do? Get along. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get along and I guess like find a rotation that works. Like Al Horford coming in, that should have put them over the top. They should have been first place, I think, all year. Uh, Milwaukee's taken over that spot, ran away with it throughout the year. The Raptors took the second spot. So I think Philadelphia underperformed by a lot this year. They underachieved Uh, the talent level they have. They should be uh, a dominant Eastern Conference team. So for that, I don't see them really making it that far, maybe even a second round exit again. But uh, if they can turn it around, get along just for the time being, and then when, uh, if they can hopefully win for their sake, then their GM can just, uh, I guess one of the two uh and bead or Simmons and finally get things on course. But uh, I don't see that happening.
0: Yeah. You know what? Um, they were 29 and two at home this year. And that's incredible, but they were 10 and 24 on the road. So this is probably the most inconsistent team in the NBA on a nightly basis. And I'm not talking about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, because we know what they're going to bring to the table every night. Um, Joel Embiid has to be a lot more mature. I think if he is, you know, more of a pro um, don't do all the taunts. Don't do any of that shit when it comes to playoff time. Cause it bit him in the ass last year when he did the airplane taunt. And then literally after that, we blew them out the water. Um, but like, again, like the Sixers to me, they're like, they're like Phoenix, except playoff version. They're the same team every year. No progression no substance. They just go out there and they just do the same thing. They don't shoot enough. They they're, they're, they're not the, the thing with that team. They're not selfish at all. Like Joel Embiid at times can be the most selfish player in the league. But then there's times that we saw last year in the postseason, he was not taking any shots. He would try and pass it to guys like Reddick and Richardson. And it's like, dude, you're seven foot tall. Get okay, your ass in the paint. And just start and get those buckets. And then there's a guy like Ben Simmons. He can't shoot the ball at all. He has no confidence in his shot. Defensive game, we talked about it numerous times. He's amazing defensively, elite. You know, people say defense wins you chips, but in this day and age, you need offense. And unfortunately, the 76ers, if they're going up against the Celtics, I don't have them beating them. (laughs) I love it. Another team too that I think could beat the Sixers is the Heat. I think they could beat the Sixers. I think you have Jimmy Butler, he knows exactly what he's doing. Bruce Brown unfortunately, I think he didn't want Butler to stay. I think there was something going on there. I think uh we we what we heard on the JJ Redick podcast, there was a lot of, you know, Butler going in the back and and trying to trying to, you know, control and run most of these conferences and I think Bruce Brown and management did not like that part of Butler's leadership. Like he's a great leader, but I guess they wanted to kind of, you know, they wanted to ship and Butler was the type of guy where it's like, am I third fiddle here? Am I the number one guy? Because at times you could see great Butler is you can that he's a complete player. But the problem was again, too many great players last year on the Sixers. I remember I went to game seven and you're looking at, you're looking at their lineup and they have Harris. Butler and Simmons, and I'm just looking at this team, and I'm like, holy crap! This team on paper should blow the rap the body. but unfortunately, the egos clashed, and it didn't work out. So I think you know, my going to Miami, being the leader there, you know, just making become an absolute star. And you have you have marksmen like Stephen A. Smith, says, call them marksmen, in Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Those guys, are, those guys are deadly, especially in a fourth quarter playoff game. You get them the ball, hit those threes. And again, uh, Alino talked about J.J. Redick. He's not on the Sixers anymore. So where the hell is the three-point shooting? Who's going to be shooting those threes? My point, uh, I don't have any faith in the Sixers. Even though they went 29-2 and two at home, not every playoff game will be at home. So I have no faith in Philly.
1: <laughs> what about... Um, I think we kind of missed a team here. What about the Pacers? Because they got the exact same record yeah. as Philly. I don't think anyone sees them doing that much damage, but they should be a tough out, right?
2: Yeah, they could be. But Oladipo, you would have to really rely on him. Like Miles Turner, they have him. But I just don't see them as that big of a threat compared to Miami, uh, even though they're, they have been with a great record. But when you're looking at top to bottom in the East, like who can really stand out? I think Miami, uh, Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee. I think those are the front runners to really make a run.
0: Well, uh, to, to your point, uh, I'll leave, I mean, Piniello, uh, they're kind of like the team from two years ago where you're looking at Indiana and you're looking at, Is this team really for real or just kind of like a tough out? Like you, like you talk about Portland, Portland last year went to the conference finals and I was saying, Holy crap. How the hell did this team do it? They were the third seed. You know, Lillard was balling out two years ago. Victor Oladipo was absolutely balling out and he was doing everything he could. You know, like we said, he took LeBron James to game seven and that was, that was special. You know, they have uh, De- DeMontis Sabanis, who's actually, like we said, a very player, but he's amazing. He's an all-star. You have Victor Oladipu now about a year and a half off his injury. I think this guy now with, with the amount of time that he's had off, I think the, this virus pandemic has definitely benefited a guy like him. Uh, Miles Turner, unfortunately, he, he hasn't panned out as I hoped, But and, you, know, you have Zabonis, you have Malcolm Brogdon. I think Milwaukee screwed up big time getting rid of him. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, you know what? I think if the Pacers went up against a Sixers team or a Heat, I could easily see the Pacers maybe edging them out. And I wouldn't be surprised. I think guys like Stephen A. Smith would be surprised. But I, in my mind, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Victor Oladipo. Has shown many times that he is big. Re- he's he's real. He's he's he led the league in steals before. You know we know that he's consistently trying to improve his two point game. His defensive game is awesome. He went second overall for a reason. So I I, Piniello, I think I think Indiana. They're they're a team not to forget. They're they're a team that's there as well.
1: We could say it about a lot of teams, but like <laughs> I feel like if they had one more free agent piece, like another solid piece. Then you have Sabonis down low with that simplicity and all the, the electrifying play of Oladipo. Like, I'd feel like they'd be right there.
0: Like, again, I'll, I'll bring up the point of three-point shooting because it, we're in 2019-2020. You need that guy like a Malcolm Brogdon in the fourth quarter. Like, you, like, Victor Oladipo can make the space. Sabonis can make the space. And you could just feed it to Brogdon on the outside. And he's, what, a 38 40%? three-point shooter in his career. that's absolutely incredible and you need that and again I'm, I'll harp on that with with the Philadelphia 76ers who is their best three-point shooter? Is it Tobias Harris even though that guy he doesn't have the confidence that he should and um, so yeah my point there is yeah maybe you need one more piece, but they, they would I, they wouldn't surprise me if, if they beat out a Philly team they would that would not surprise me at all. You know what? How about we talk quickly because we talked about all those teams? Let's quickly talk about the Denver Nuggets because they are the third seed. We saw what Portland did last year as the third seed. Do you guys see Denver maybe upsetting a Houston? Do you see them maybe upsetting a Clippers if they were to go there? I know that's that's kind of pushing it, but. How far can this team, with the pieces they have, how far do you guys
2: see Denver going? Oh, Start this one off, bud. I see Denver smoking Houston because they have no (laughs) picks. And Jokic will just get like 30 a game. Uh, Then the next round, it depends who they match up with. If they get the the play-in teams, they can probably... I think Portland they'd match up better with. But if they match up with New Orleans, I actually think New Orleans is a better. Th- like I think I, New Orleans could probably beat Denver uh, if they were to match up in a seven-game series. Uh, so I don't see Denver going to the final. I see them being a second-round team at best, and it, depending on the matchup, maybe third round. But I don't see them uh, going to the final. It's so similar to like some of the team, the middle teams in the East. Like
1: I just view them as a really tough out. Like, I I don't see them beating the Clippers if that's the matchup. With Houston, Jokic would be the primary focus there, but I don't think they'd have an answer for Russ and Harden. Um, Yeah, I think you're looking at a second-round matchup there. Like, Murray's got to really pick up some of the slack. Jokic can't have – as amazing as Jokic is, you can't have your fucking center handle the ball three-quarters of the game. you got to get Jamal in there. Will Barton's got to step up. A lot of pieces are there, but – I don't really see them going past the second round.
0: Okay, how about a team like Utah? Are they they in a similar boat as Indiana where they're just a tough out? Or do you think a guy like a Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell pairing, Bogdanovich as well there, can you see that maybe upsetting, maybe
1: like a Denver? Oh, that'd be a tough one. I feel the same about, I've said this about Utah, like just a tough out, I don't really look at them at all when it comes to like serious contentions, <laughs> like first or second round they're they're fun to watch go bears, a fucking monster in the paint. No one can really do anything with him. Mitchell's electrifying to watch um, Bogdan, I didn't really whole lot. I didn't know a whole lot about Bogdanovich. He, the guy's fucking clutch late in games. Uh, they're a fun team to watch, but like similar to the nuggets, I think I would take Denver over them, but you know, Utah
2: solid team, but I don't really see it with them. Yeah, I think Utah's solid, and uh, Denver, I think, has an edge with Jokic. I think that would just be the difference maker. It would probably be a long series, but at the end of it, uh, Mitchell and Gobert against Jokic, Murray. I like Denver's chances a whole lot better.
0: Yeah, uh, I think when you think of the West, a lot of the teams after the Clippers and Lakers are kind of just like a tough out just like what Pinello has harped on with like Indiana, Miami. Oh, well, Miami, I think they're a little above the tough out. I think they could actually make some make some noise. But I think the Clippers, Lakers are the two teams that, you know, shine brightest in the West. Um, if it came down to those two guys, I know we've been saying this all year. Alino, I'll start with you. Do you think that the Clippers would beat the Lakers? I know you're a big Kawhi fan. Do you have Kawhi
2: dethroning the king? Yeah, easily. I don't see the Lakers beating them. I think uh, the Clippers have way too many tools in their disposal. They have a deep bench. Uh, The Lakers don't have that. They have Danny Green starting. They can have him on the bench and then come off for threes. But like we saw last year on the Raptors, he did have uh, great moments, but it wasn't every single game. It was one game here, then two games, and then You might see him in game four come up big. So I think that's a difference maker for them. They don't have a complete overall team that can really do damage. You're relying heavily on Anthony Davis and LeBron. The Clippers, you got Paul George, you have Lou Williams, you have Kawhi, you have Morris. Like all these guys can fit well together. They have the Kemp, similar playing styles, and then Kawhi coming up big. So I'm going to go with the Clippers.
1: Uh, yeah, I got the Clippers too. Unless fucking Rajon Rondo turns back the clock 10 years and he can become a solid third option. <laughs> I don't think they can, uh, they can match up with the Clippers. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Wow. I'm surprised. You guys are actually not going with LeBron in the postseason. That is crazy. I'm going. I'm not with saying, saying it's
1: easy, like Alino saying. Top seven <laughs> game. It'll go the limit.
2: But yeah, I, got I think I'm going five. I'll give him one game (laughs) and then Davis dips and goes to Chicago. And uh, that's the end of the Lakers uh, little run there as a super team.
0: No way. Five games. I don't think LeBron, I think LeBron would, would leave LA if they lost in five games. I think he would would be like this. I need to get out of here. All right. Well, that was fun talking about hoop. Now I got to quickly talk about NXT takeover. That's coming up this Sunday. I know we haven't really, never really watched that much of it, but this is looking like a dream match card. Uh, this match card is looking absolutely incredible. Now, I know you guys don't really, no, with no basic knowledge, I'm just going to name off this match card and you're going to make your predictions. And that is that. So to start it off, we got a fake Tommaso Ciampa, who coming up one of the greatest NXT title runs, you know, he got injured. He's come back, hasn't done a whole lot, lost his feud to Gargano which I thought was absolutely amazing, that feud. Uh, they, can, they can wrestle every pay-per-view, and I don't think anyone will be upset. But you have Karrion Cross, who was Killer Cross. He made his way over with Scarlett Bordeaux. Um, and, and this is going to be uh, his first pay-per-view match in NXT, taking on Tommaso Ciampa. So, guys, I will guess I'll start with
2: Alino. Who is your pick for this match? Uh, first I like this pay-per-view how they're calling it in your house I want to see them go to WWE headquarters and get the garage get that little uh, old-fashioned door get the whole setup that they used to have in the 90s bring that back have a whole nostalgia event Uh, I got Killer Cross or Karrion Cross but he's calling himself now he needs a big win and what bigger way to come in and take out one of the top guys in NXT so I'm going to go with him I'm going to take Champa on this one. I think just the fact that
1: they gave him his first big match on a big pay-per-view against one of the greatest NXT superstars ever is already saying something. I don't know if he has to win. I think he'll make a name for himself for sure, but give me Tommaso. Give me the black heart for this one.
0: Now, let's say Tommaso loses here. What do you guys think is next for him? Because we saw Matt Riddle make his... SmackDown debut last Friday, which we will talk about, I guess, after this. But do you guys see Ciampa maybe... We talked about this for, like, years now, but do you guys see Tommaso Ciampa making a a main event,
1: you know, debut soon? I think it's time. I mean, they kind of botched it the first time around. We just... We we won't talk about that. But uh, when you look at his NXT run, he's kind of done everything. I don't know what else he can... You look at that, like the last feud with Gargano and you thought that'd be the icing on the cake kind of thing. And now he's doing this with uh, and Cross, and you're like, oh, shit, still going on. So I think like it's people are starting to think time might be coming to an end. But uh, yeah,
2: I got I think
1: it's time to move him up. What else? What else can he do? Honestly?
2: Yeah, I see him going to Raw and maybe feuding with a guy like Kevin Owens, who's just stuck in limbo over there. Uh Seth Rollins would be kind of interesting, but he would have to be the face in that. I think if he does make the jump, it has to be as a heel. And uh maybe get against those guys who aren't in the world title picture, but are just beneath it, like close to it so like that. It shows that he's a big main event guy. Uh, but I wouldn't put him in just a face like Apollo Crews, when a US title is his first night, because then you're just putting him in the mid forever like that. I would just keep him strong, not put a title on them like Alistair Black. And um make his way around face some top guys get some more interest in them and uh build more programming for raw yeah it sounds awesome
0: uh up next we have is the triple threat match for the nxt women's title this is a a match made in heaven charlotte flair versus Rhea ripley versus io shirai wow um who do you guys have winning this and uh what the hell are we to expect with this match
1: just uh, just a big ruckus. Just three different styles clashing. It's going to be super entertaining. Uh, these are one of these matches where you kind of look at everyone involved and you're like, I don't really care. It can go either way and I'm happy. Uh, but uh, give, give me my girl Eo. I want to see her take it. So that's my prediction.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see Eo win it. Uh, I think Charlotte's going to retain here and we'll probably see another one-on-one between them at the next pay-per-view. Uh... They take over SummerSlam like a two-night thing, but uh, I see Charlotte winning. I see Rhea taking a lot of moonsaults in this match, uh, looking strong, but I'm going to go with Charlotte.
0: Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to go with Io winning here. I think Charlotte has done a great job in, in NXT, you know, back and forth, um, doing her thing. I think, you know, Io needs to win the title. I think she needs to win it sooner rather than later. Um This is her moment. I think this is where Ray has already had the strap. Charlotte's had the strap for well over. I think it's been two months now. So I think EO. I think this is the time for maybe EO to take it. I understand. Uh, I actually kind of agree with Alino. If it's not now, I could see EO winning it come like SummerSlam. You know when the lights are a little brighter. But uh, either way, like Pinello said, either way, I'm happy. Uh, All three are amazing athletes, competitors. So. I'll just go with EO here, but up next we have is another similar match to Chomp Cross. You got Balor versus Damian Priest. Are you guys excited for this? Do you think there's a big push coming here? Do you guys just think Finn Balor's going to win another thing? Start it, bud.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Finn Balor. Uh, I think they have high hopes for Damian Priest, so he can also be another guy that they might have plans to move to either SmackDown or Raw. I don't think Matt Riddle is going to be the only one to make that jump. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of NXT movement in the coming weeks, but you feel like a guy like Damian Priest, like he's up there in age too. Uh, Keith Lee's up there in age. Like these guys are closing in towards the late thirties. So like, I would like to see the move up, like make NXT back to what it was like, start building up these guys coming in the performance center who are like close to 30 years old and you build a better product and the guys that you've signed in from independent companies, you taught them the style and let them go on to the main roster and start, uh, I guess, making more exciting programming because I think is just lacking right now. SmackDown is done a way better job, but uh, Raw needs the most help, so I would like to see some NXT. I go, uh, one or two guys go there and really help them out.
1: For the longest time with Damian Priest, they had him like in and out of NXT. He was on like once or twice a month. I didn't really get a chance to get to know him a whole lot. He just seems like this big killer badass. Like, I can't remember if he was in uh, one of the tournaments they did. Like those yearly tournaments they always do with all the indie guys they pull in. But you were saying before we went on the pod, he's a little older. And if they're going to pull the trigger, it should be now. The guy like Finn Balor, who's prone to taking losses, maybe we should give Damian the win here.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, when I think of Damian Priest, I think of kind of the way Baron Corbin was perceived in NXT all those years ago, where it's like he's a guy that can, he, like, he's not really well known, but he can make his presence felt regardless of where he is on the card. I think Damian Priest is that type of guy. Uh, he, yeah, he. I think he's around thirty six now. He's he's getting older. But Finn Balor is also right there, too. I think Finn Balor's around 36, 37. So uh, Finn Balor's WWE career, unfortunately, to me, has not panned out as I've hoped. I hope uh, 2020, 2021 is kind to him. I think he deserves it. Um, But yeah, you know what? I think Damian Priest would actually benefit more from the win here. But again, both these guys are kind of in limbo. They've been in limbo for a while. I thought Finn Balor... Was gonna get a uh, I think no didn't he get the NXT title match against Adam Cole I think he did and he lost so um, waiting to see what happens with Damian Priest if they push him or not but I could easily see him if he were to get called up he could I could see him being impactful like a Baron Corbin down the line but up next can we have it. last chance match for the NXT championship Adam Cole been champion for over a year now one of the greatest NXT champs of all time, and Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream. Who do you guys have winning here? Who's going to retain this Velveteen Dream finally going to get
1: the title? I will go with the Dream finally getting the title. Uh, there are a lot of ways you can go here. It, it always ends up in who's going to get called up to the main roster, and yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. I think when you look at Adam Cole... He's kind of done, looks similar to Champa and Gargano and all those guys. He's done everything he could down there. Undisputed Era has been running everything for years. Uh, I would love to see the strap on Velveteen Dream, see what he can do with it as the number one option. So this match is going to be amazing either way. Uh, regardless of what direction they go, I'm good. But I'm going to give it to Velveteen Dream.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Same thing, like wherever direction they take this, uh, I think it's going to have a positive effect on uh, everyone involved. But uh, I'm go with Velveteen winning it finally and really taking over NXT. He was a big prospect when he came in through tough enough, came into his own, became one of the most exciting characters they have. So I think uh, he finally deserves this title and a chance to run with it, see what he does on NXT weekly. And uh, this whole ratings battle that they have. I'm going to go with Adam Cole retaining here. (laughs) (laughs) I think again, kind of like a Charlotte
0: flair, uh, I could see him, if anything, getting called up maybe after Summerslam. Maybe like the whole, maybe a little longer. You can wait with Adam Cole. Maybe, uh, maybe just again. Like the, the thing that throws me off is, you know, if Dream loses, then he can't get the NXT title. If Cole loses it. I think this is where you could insert a guy like Finn Balor. He can maybe beat out uh, Adam Cole for the NXT title. You can maybe have one more hoorah run with Finn Balor as the NXT champ. And you could have that experienced veteran who's basically run NXT at Finn Balor versus the guy that's on the come up, Velveteen dream the prospect. And that is where maybe you can have Velveteen take down the we can even call Balor potentially the godfather of NXT. You can have Velveteen beat Finn Balor for the NXT title. I think that would maybe be a little more meaningful. But again, like if we talk about call-ups. It's very unpredictable. I really don't know if Adam Cole will get called up Monday on Raw or in like three months' time. So I think at this point it's up to Vince and Triple H. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Adam Cole retaining here, just so I can see Velveteen take the belt off of a Finn Balor down the line. That would be absolutely incredible. Last match with uh, to me, Johnny Gargano has been absolutely incredible. Him and Candice as heels, I can't believe I'm saying it. it's been absolutely incredible. You're talking about like, similar runs like Daniel Bryan being heel in 2018, and like these baby faces, you never expected to maybe go back to their heelish ways, And they're just running it. Gargano and Candice LeRae as top heels. Never thought I'd be saying that. They're running it. It's just Candace. She just has that baby face. We're talking about <laughs> Daniel Bryan. The next Daniel Bryan and in terms of a face. And here we are. <laughs> she has that John. What was that? Do you guys think Keith Lee is going to lose his title to Gargano, or do you think Keith Lee's going to retain it?
2: Yeah, I'm going to. I hope Keith Lee loses it. I want to see him on Raw. I think it's a well timed. This guy. That- at survivor series uh in that tag team match uh the, he went the distance for nxt whole little thing with roman reigns got the crowd going nuts then at the royal rumble he comes in with brock they had a good uh, little moment there those few minutes they were in together so this guy's legit it's about time he's just done enough in nxt he's developed enough i think he's adapted to wwe style uh he's exactly what a kind of guy vince mcmahon needs on the main roster so Hopefully this shows, uh, maybe he doesn't have to lose clean to ruin his character, but Johnny Gargano finds a way to just sneak up and get a win, get a, some nice heel tactic, foot on the rope or something, and then see Keith Lee go to Raw and uh, take over. Well, I am right with you there. Keith Lee just has
1: that aura about him. Just seems like a superstar. I um, love watching him work, but uh, with Gargano, yeah, like I immediately thought of Daniel Bryan right away with the heel run. Not saying that you question if he had the ability, but the ability to pull it off as well as he's doing. And it's just fucking flipping everyone upside down. So I would love to see uh, Gargano uh, find a way to win this. And then Keith Lee can move on as well to bigger and better things.
0: Well, I just want to quickly talk about raw talk. Just, just very briefly. Um, We saw Seth Rollins, Basically come out, talk about, you know, Ray's retirement. And of course, Ray says he could be cleared in two weeks. He may not ever be cleared again, but he's going to get it. Of course, Dominic comes on the screen and says, I want to fight Seth Rollins. Ali, I'll start this with you. Where do you think the storyline is headed? And do you see any promise with the storyline?
2: I like Dominic's a little badass. You see him come in, sit down, eye for an eye. And uh, you saw what he did. He stepped up to Brock Lesnar uh, during the whole Survivor Series build up. Uh, I want to see how this uh, regress. Maybe Dominic faces Seth Rollins, but I think Dominic's going to turn on Ray and join the Monday Night Messiah. And for him to be even involved in this kind of thing, that's two big storylines he was involved in. He's skipping the line, I guess, in uh, terms of NXT and the Performance Center. So he has to be, I think, ready for them to do that. Like he must be well prepared. And I think uh, him stepping in the ring could surprise a lot of people for how good he really is.
1: I love that Dominic stepped up. Two, what was it? Two weeks ago, Seth jammed fucking Ray's eye into the steel steps. Yeah. So <laughs> you should expect a reaction like that. And we've seen him in the past before. We've seen him get fucking. Wrecked by Brock, so the kid's tough, he's got it in him. I want, I don't know if he's gonna join uh, Rollins's group, but uh, I want to see him get curb stomped so bad. I just love everyone involved here.
0: Uh, also, the, this whole thing with, with Buddy Murphy and Austin Theory and Seth Rollins, and we saw Alistair Black um really tangling with Seth Rollins the last two weeks. Are we going to see a Aleister Black versus Seth Rollins match, maybe at SummerSlam? And if so, where does he? Where, like the thing for me that's puzzling is you had Seth Rollins take out Rey Mysterio, and now you have Aleister Black in the mix. So where does Aleister Black fit in with all of this? That's my biggest question. Um, Aleister Black actually pinned Seth Rollins on Raw, and then he got his ass kicked, which I thought was absolutely perfect. I thought that was what had to be done, but. Do you guys really want to see Alister Black take on Seth Rollins, or do you think it's maybe too soon?
1: I think maybe they should save that. Seth is uh, fuck. Seth is all over the place right now, doing double duty. I just uh, <laughs> down the line, yeah, Black and Rollins. They like they've clashed before. It's been amazing, uh, but the storyline with with Ray and Dominic and how intense it's been getting over the last few weeks, I really want them to focus more on that. And then maybe you can pick up the, uh, the Black and Rollins stuff down the line.
2: Yeah, I think it might be a little too soon. I think it's going to happen, though, probably next month. And uh, then I see uh, Seth Rollins continuing this thing with Ray. Uh, maybe even Edge, I think, depending on what happens there. So there's a lot of guys on Raw that you can do something with. But I want to see Aleister Black and Randy Orton. I think that's a perfect uh, big matchup for him instead of Seth Rollins. Uh, So depending on what happens with edge and Randy Orton, uh, I think that would be a good pick for either, or like Seth Rollins or uh, Alistair black.
0: What do you think is going to happen between edge and Randy Orton? We saw Shawn Michaels give his take on this could be one of the greatest matches ever, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're, you're hyping up the match, but do you see this match really? um, Like, do you see this uh, like ending for real this time, this next go around and, I, do you see Edge taking it again?
1: Shit, I hope not. hope they go even, and then they could settle it at a later date. Just when you look at it, it, doesn't even matter what it is. Edge and Orton, you just look at all the history, and there's just so much material there. They can go on for three more years, and they'd still have stories left to be told. So I would love, to, would love Orton for, to, to tie it up, and then you could have the best of three a little later down.
2: Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think Orton gets this matchup that they're building it so much, like greatest wrestling match ever. So it looks more meaningful for him uh, because he lost at WrestleMania and that no holds barred, no DQ, whatever that was. But uh, I think this will lead to uh, three... Probably two out of three falls match. I don't think it will go to like okay, they're going to settle in a cage match because they already had that I quit at WrestleMania where they were all over the place and around the performance center. So I see uh, Order taking that, then they'll do two out of three falls with the third fall probably being like a steel cage, but the first and second fall will probably be like what they had already a no DQ in the second fall, regular match the first, and uh, probably Edge coming out on top at the end of it.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, um, just one more thing or two more things I want to bring up. R-Truth defeated Gronkowski to win the <laughs> title again. This guy's a legend, goes to his house and actually takes it back. So Gronkowski's time with WWE is probably officially over. Um, R-Truth is the greatest 24-7 champ of all time. I think he's like a 10-time champ now. Uh, oh, my
2: God, way more. Yeah, probably at 20 right now.
0: I don't even know. I've lost count. Um, Then we got Nia Jax. I guess she's taking on Asuka for the women's title. I know that that doesn't sound intriguing, but I'm kind of intrigued with this. I think uh, they're going to give Asuka the win, obviously. I don't see Asuka losing the belt right away, but um, what are your guys' thoughts on Nia Jax getting that spot instead of, like I don't know, any other person in the division? You think Nia Jax is the one to maybe carry it for a while
1: i don't know if she's the the one as people say but i like that she's in that spot she's getting the opportunity the only knock with naya is that her track record with injuries is not the best but like it's a tough business shit happens uh you know she's been doing some solid work with oscar i saw the green paint she did under her eyes to kind of fuck with her Um, but so, yeah, I'm excited for this, but, uh, just to go back to our truth real quickly, we were talking about champions last week, best champions of the decade. We got to throw our truth in there because we thought this title, the title is a big fucking joke, but it makes us laugh every single time it's featured with guys like Drake Maverick and our truth. So, you know what? Shout out to the 24 seven title.
2: Yeah. I see Nia Jax being in the, the just sold feud. Uh, they probably do have their eyes set on Oscar versus Shayna probably around SummerSlam time. So I don't, don't see it being a long match. Well, at least I hope not because of uh, like Piniella said about her track record and injuries. So hopefully it's like a quick brawl and Oscar gets a win.
0: Okay. Last question before we end it, because uh, it's almost one already drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley at backlash. It's happening. It's confirmed. We, still, we see, you know, night in, night out on Raw, you know, what, what's been going down is, you know, Drew's been getting MVP's number and then Bobby Lashley came out and did his uh, full Nelson. If Bobby Lashley loses his match, which I actually believe he is, um, what do you think is next for Bobby? Because we've seen his momentum go up to an all-time high. And uh, do you guys really... I really don't see him being a mid-card guy after this. I feel like he's kind of like in that um, Andrade... Alistair Black, Randy Orton type tier in terms of Monday night. I think he's just below the main event if he loses this. But what do you guys expect from Bobby Lashley if he were to lose moving
1: forward? Well, I hope that they, uh, they just keep his momentum going because the worst thing they do is they take him off TV for three weeks and then they start putting him on house shows and then building them up all over again. They could have, they could have him lose to Drew. Drew's been a killer. It's not like it's going to hurt Bobby. Well, you can have a, a classic brawling styled match between the two of them and just move on to the next with Lashley. You know, the guy's solid. He's at that age now too, where it's like, we don't have all the time in the world anymore. The guys, I think it's time to pull the trigger with Bobby. I don't think he's going to win the title, but just move on to the next, keep it rolling, keep the momentum going.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think this will be something where they're going to use Lana here as a way to cost him the match where she's playing a big four, like, You'll probably see them on the outside throughout, but I think her and MVP will just start arguing and it'll just lead to Lashley getting a claim more. And that really happens where it won't be like a clean finish like Lesnar and Drew at WrestleMania. So I think uh, Lashley will lose like that. And then after that, they can probably build them up more, keep them strong with MVP. Maybe they'll add someone to their group. Uh, Maybe Apollo Crews, depending on what they do with him. Maybe he can join them, but... I see uh, Lashley and MVP adding another member to this and going strong for another couple months.
0: Do you guys see Bobby winning though at all? That like the title at all at any point down the line, because like Piniello said, like he doesn't have a lot of time left. And for me, like I'm thinking of career wise for him, like he's deserved it. He's deserved to have a, another WWE title. Um, we, I think he brought it up last week. He hasn't had a main event match in like 13 years or something. So this is a big moment for Bobby. And I think they can't fuck it up here. Like Drew McIntyre. Yes, he just beat Brock Lesnar. Yes, he beat Seth Rollins. Uh, he's had a great run so far. Uh, I think he's an excellent face. Uh, <clears throat> but I think Bobby Lashley, I, I think he needs, he needs to win. Like at some point, he has to win. I don't know who to who, to Drew, to whoever, um, maybe maybe I was gonna say maybe Otis, but that's not happening. <laughs> I don't know. Uh like do you guys maybe see Seth beating him and maybe you could have a face Bobby or like I, I I feel like we need we need we don't talk about it enough, but I think Bobby needs to win the WWE title, at least at some point, right?
1: Can I just real quick, was that last main event, the one against Cena? In like 07 it was yeah. So.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I um I don't know if he um I would keep him heel. I like what they're doing with the stable around him because like they're making up for his flaws. He's not the best speaker, so when when they put all this effort into Lashley, it kind of leads me to believe that he's in line for a WWE title. Um, I I just don't see him beating Drew. That's the only. I don't know if the timing's righter, but I think he should get there.
2: And he does deserve it. Absolutely. I hope he does win it. Yeah. I'd like to see him win it, but uh, the way they built up drew McIntyre, if you make his title range short, it would have to be for another reason. Like you would have to have gender, I think, come out and cost them to really make sense. Like if you have him lose to Bobby and, and the way the match goes, like, I don't think a lot of people will be too happy. Like the reception won't be as good, but if gender comes out and, Really attacks Drew, costs him the match when the ref's not in the ring, uh, and leads to it that way. I think you can build a program for both where Bobby Lashley can go and face Alistair Black, let's say, for the title the next month, and you don't have to have Drew get an immediate title match. He can go and have another big program with Gender for the time being, and that's how you can build both of them up. So unless Gender gets involved, I don't think it's a win.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's it for this week, episode eighty three. We talked a lot about hoop. We talked about who are contenders, pretenders. uh, Talked a lot about WWE programming. uh, Check out NXT this Sunday, where we all believe that, well, at least they believe that the dream is going to beat Adam Cole. I don't see it happening. He's the best. He's the undisputed era. Um, But that's it for this week, guys. Stay tuned for next week, episode 84, where we're probably going to talk a little more about hockey and uh, other nonsense. So stay tuned cool